Straight out of Gibraltar, sponsored by Coca-Cola. Welcome to Straight Outta Gibraltar, bringing you interviews and all the best music from the Gibraltar music scene. Hey guys, welcome to Straight Outta Gibraltar, and after the great response after we've had four episodes, and with those four episodes with a lot of great local music, great guests, we couldn't be prouder, you know, at the end of the day, we always said we'll drop it when the podcast is ready, and we're actually having a ball and a whale of a time. And this pandemic has actually made us more creative, so we couldn't be more grateful to being creative and for the creativity that comes along with it. So without further ado, even though this act is not particularly local, but he actually does has performed across the local music scene. He's even performed with a local across in the UK as well. So without further ado, and I'm very grateful and honored to welcome Danny Vaughan. Welcome, Danny, to the show. Hi, David. Thank you for having me. So how are you doing today, Danny? Obviously, it's nice out for one. Yeah, yeah, no problems. You know, it's um, <laughs> you know, what definitely is a one day at a time situation right now. And this pandemic, I, I just say that it, it's dro- driven everybody crazy, but in a good way. I think the creativity is still there, the spark is, there, is still there. I've seen from the local mu- music side of things that more more local musicians are more creative. They're writing more. They've actually got more time to focus on their music, which is great. And I would want to ask if the same applies for you as well. I think so. Um, you know, I haven't necessarily been writing new songs, but I've been involved in, in a lot of other projects that I'm lending my hand to at home. And, um, you know, the thing is, even if you're not creative, the silver lining that I'm seeing with all this is, you know, talk to almost anybody, you know, a few months ago and say, uh, if you could change something about your life, what would it be? And generally, it, most people are going to say something like, I wish I spent a little more time with my family. I wish I had a little more free time or, you know, I wish I had time to do more hiking or read more reading. And suddenly we have it, you know, and it's so not everyone is is saying, 
you know, this is a terrible thing to be locked down like this. You know, it's it's got its good sides as well. It's it's very sad why we're like this, but um, it's kind of like the whole world just got to sit down and take a deep breath for a minute. Yeah, sometimes it's like you, you rightfully said, you pause and you reflect, and like you said, you want to spend more time with your family. I couldn't be more happier myself because I get to be more, obviously I work from home anyway, but the fact that I can actually just work and then actually spend time with my son is a blessing for me. So I couldn't be prouder and obviously more time to focus on things like this and obviously get to not really get to know them, but on a personal level, but to rediscover some of the hidden gems as well across the scene. Yeah, and, and some of us, you know, are looking at, you know, maybe potentially career changes because of this, because, you know, as we well know, not everybody is, is you know, able to just sit at home and not make money. And then what happens? You know, is is your employment still there when when this is over? Or if it's there, is it very different? You know, so we've plenty of people, you know, like my wife included, has, has started on, you know, a whole new progression for her, which is, you know, she's she's gotten into voiceover work, as you well know. And, yep. you know, it's, it's ticking along slowly but surely. You know, it's going to take some time, but there's every indication that this was a very, very good decision. And this, of course, is something we can do from home. And the most important thing is, like Eric, you said, right, if you said you can do it from home, it's comfortable, you know, work when needed. And more than anything else, it's it just, I just say the sparks are there, you know, because sometimes you could come up with something and obviously then maybe you want to re-record or not even re-record, but just work on something that you want to do in the future or maybe something that actually could you easily just release nowadays with, with all these digital music platforms, obviously Facebook being a good platform for that and on, on other little social media sites as well. But it's the availability as well, you know, local musicians, from what I've seen, like when they do the Friday Night Live sessions, for example, like I saw Giles Ramirez, who you all know, which we'll get to a bit later, did a cover free following with three others. And it just works, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the funny thing is all this sort of stuff is also pushing the technology forward at a much faster pace than it would have been going. Um, you know, because now, of course, everybody's wondering how to beat the problems of latency in between, you know, recording with live, but from different rooms, different different places, all that sort of thing. So yeah. like every day there's a new piece of software coming out. You know, people are trying to to push this thing forward. I think a lot more people are going to continue to work from home after everything is is eased up again. I mean, even when I was speaking to Mark Byrne from the 500 a few days ago, he was telling me that. Like even the fact that, that maybe they can't meet up, it obviously in a room, or I'm pretty sure it applies for many bands anyway. But the fact that they can all meet up in the in their band room or the rehearsal space, and they actually just WhatsApp ideas, messenger ideas, and you know that's where the pro, the pretty much process starts, and then the, the final product is, comes. Even when you can actually do it from home, you can say, okay, you do guitars today, you do drums today, and it one one holds and after that, you get a full track and it works. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. It, it really amazes me how how much we really uh, the possibilities are endless. Like when you have, like you mentioned, the right software. Yeah, and you know, music and art has been um, stopped in its tracks, or things have tried to stop music and art that are even worse than this. You know, wars. Uh, you know, um, some music and art forms have been banned in some places in the world, and all that. And it just it doesn't stop it. You know, it's artistic people just kind of bob and weave and come up with another way 
you know, and that's what's going to happen. There's going to be some new new ways of, of both art and music that's going to come out of this. I mean, it's the, and the most important thing is that, like musicians are, and even are able to get out there and express themselves and obviously doing what they do best, even like you said, from the comfortability of their own home. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's definitely. I've seen some very, very interesting sessions with people. Some good, some great, some not so good, you know. But it's um, it is it is a strange thing to be playing live to you know potentially you know several thousand people, and <laughs> it's just you in your room. It's a very odd thing. But the intimacy is there, and sometimes the, intimate, the more intimate, the better, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I've done I've done seven shows from from my house at this point, and yeah. I you know you just kind of I'm I'm so glad that you know my wife is there handling the laptop, and so she's been able to tell me you know what people's reactions, what you know comments they're making, blah blah blah. But it's still very very strange because you know performers thrive on that that, that reaction hit. You yeah. know, from from an audience, and you know whether it's in their eyes or in the sounds they make or the, their body movement, whatever. And of course, we don't have any of that, and and that is definitely, I haven't figured out a way to to overcome that. It, it leaves you a little a little cold sometimes. I think it's more like you said, you you have to feed off the energy somehow, and when you don't actually have that energy to feed off from, it's it, like you said, it must be weird. It's it's very different, but at the same time, people. The normal people that would actually go to your gigs are the ones that actually respond and actually comments and or requests or whatever. You know, it, it, it's like being on a live show without the intimacy, I suppose. Yeah. On the plus side, there's nobody talking while I'm playing, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true, actually. Well done. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to get to our first song. And this particular song was actually my first introduction to your music as well. And I think for many people anyway, it probably was. Uh, Forever Young is an ultimate classic, and I think many people still play it to this day, the first album, of course, uh, and more than anything else, like with what Taiketa was and what it's become, tell us about how, like, obviously the process of to grasp that and to think how long it's been and the fact that people still hold the first album, so come easy, very dear. Um, well, obviously, we didn't expect that. Um, you know, you don't. I don't think anybody ever makes something and says, this is going to be a classic 30 years from now. You know, um, uh, it's just a situation you find yourself in you're scratching your head, you know, looking around going, where did it, where did those years go? But you realize that an awful lot of people have taken the trip with you. And, you know, I'm always surprised uh, at the places that I go uh, where I find out, you know, people have the album or, or know what I've done. And, you know, Gibraltar was one of those when I first came there 2008. Um, within half an hour of walking down the street, I met Giles, <laughs> you know, and he just he called out my name. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, I mean, there's somebody here who knows who I am. And of course, it was more than that. We had, we had played uh, the same gig together several years before that. Yeah. So, you know, it was uh, it was pretty cool. So, um, you know, you find yourself all this time later and I for some reason or other, I mean, it seems to be increasing in popularity. I mean, the video is is if it hasn't reached it, it's very close to five million views. Um, I see more and more people covering the song from uh, from different places. I saw a band recently doing a, you know, a lockdown thing separately, but uh, they covered it from, um, I think it was Sao Paulo, Brazil. 
Um, so yeah, it just seems to um, it seems to have established itself for good, which you know obviously I couldn't be more proud of that. And like you said, when you when you see that your work like travels the globe in every sense of the word, obviously back then there wasn't obviously like the digital music platforms that we have today, and obviously it was, we had to rely on a lot of music channels. Remember those? Uh, but uh, yeah. it's we had to rely on that pretty much to find out what, what the latest uh, music was obviously from any genre really but obviously it wasn't as easy as it is now but the fact that you mentioned that in people Travolta knew your music it's, it's incredible yeah you never i mean you never know where it's going to travel and i always say that when once you write something and put it out into the world it doesn't belong to you anymore and you know you have you you just wait and see what what happens in the outside world and you know i've i've received fan mail from from all over the world and you just think how in the world did this you know how in the world did the cassette make it to you know bangladesh or whatever you know yeah. how did it get there <laughs> and funnily That's enough amazing. um forever young was number one in indonesia in 1991 well, wow. I think I think the musical climate was very different back then. But that was our I think our, our only number one record was was Indonesia. That's incredible. I mean, it's amazing. Like you mentioned, uh, I remember a few years ago, somebody sent me a link and it was basically this uh, this iconic local band in Jade. And somebody from Mexico actually found their album and their LP in in a, in a little store there in Mexico. And the, Surprisingly, the guy was a DJ, and he actually used it for his line dancing group. And it's like, how did that <laughs> album make it to Mexico, for example? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's one of we're, those things. We're, we're particularly lucky now, like you say, that you know we've got all these these platforms and formats where it's possible for for you to be found. You know, the other side of that is there's a lot more stuff to find out there now. You know, because it's easier to to get your music out there and into the public and all that. So there's a lot of stuff to look through, and you know, quite a lot of it's very good. That's cool, and it's like we said, it, once it once it's out there, you just never know where it's going to go, or where it's, what re ears it's going to reach or listen to. It just it's still amazing, like you said. Even people who rediscover rediscover it or discover it for the first time, it's incredible that when that happens. Yeah, yeah, and I'm still getting that with people going, how did I miss this band? You know, I just, just found you guys this month. You guys are amazing. I love this. And like, well, as long as you made it before I'm done, I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. But we're going to play it now, and obviously we'll be back with the second song after this, which is probably one of the most recent of your material, but I think people still enjoy it anyway. But this is Forever Young by Taiketo. Hope you enjoy it, guys.
that was Takata with Forever Young, a classic. And if you've heard that for the first time, you're welcome. That's the best way to sum it up. Well, <laughs> <laughs> than anything else, Danny, um, I think what amazes people, and I, it's not even amazes people, obviously the ones that go to see you live, but the fact that amazes people online on social media, like whenever they visit your pages or anything else, um, it's the fact that you interact with them, you get to know them on a very personal level. So what what does it mean to you like when you get to interact with your fans and obviously with the not even the fans of your own material but even the Takata fans from yesteryear? Um, well, I mean it's it's so different than it used to be. There there used to be kind of a wall 
between yourself and, and your audience. You know, I mean, we go out on tour, for instance, and we'd be on a bus for three or four months and we'd come back to uh, to Brooklyn to our manager's office and there would be like a sack of mail waiting, you know, and just be like, oh, my God, you know, you got to go through all this. Maybe some people wouldn't, but we did. And, you know, we would like to occasionally write back to people. We weren't we weren't known for writing long lenders. We were kind of more <laughs> more Neanderthals at the time. <laughs> but um, that those connections, of course, now are instantaneous, you know, where there's you can reach out to anyone and there's a chance they'll see it or comment on it and, and all that sort of thing. Um, and um, mostly I think it's really good, um, especially when it comes to to getting music out there. You know, I think it's, it's really good to, to get to know the people that, that are helping you as, as well as I do. So many people now, um, every now and then it's not so good. Somebody, somebody takes it a step too far, you know? And, yeah. and I think you don't have to be a musician or a famous person. I think that just happens with the internet. People just like to go too far into your business, you know? Um, Absolutely. but you know, that's by far the minority. Um, the majority has been that I've gone, you know, a number of people that I have known from a distance. So, oh, look, it's you. Nice to see you again. Are now people that I work with regularly, people that are part of my process because they're they're so supportive and loving of the music. And, you know, who, who better to help you continue to, to push your music out there than the people who like it the most? No, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more there. And the, the, the reason of the question is, of course, from the track that this album is from, obviously it, there was a bit of controversy with Pledge Music, and obviously we're not going to get into that because I, I don't really think it was really a, a very nice battle. And more than anything else, it was a criminally unjust, criminal injustice. And But at the end of the day, like you mentioned, with the f support from your fans, obviously they set up this page, and then, lo and behold, you were able to regain and retain some of the money back and actually record the album in the process. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, we, we won't go deep down that road, but it's just a, a great shame because Pledge was an excellent idea, and it was working. And very simply, somebody took it over and got greedy, and they ran it into the ground. So um, once again, you're facing, can I manage to make this happen? And you're pretty much going to your fans almost on an individual basis to to yeah. let them know what's happening to to try and find your way out which we did and they were remarkably supportive and you know found another way to get me the funds i needed in advance to you know to get into the recording studio to pay the musicians you know to you know make the video all the sort of thing that needs to be done um and so in some ways because of all the trouble um i think it made it just a little bit sweeter at the end you know because yeah. You just, you know, you come out of it going, you know, you, you feel like, you know, Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> but still, the end result is worth it, I suppose. Say that again? The end result is worth it. I, yeah, I in, in the end, yeah, I would, you know, um, I won't say I, I wouldn't change the thing. I, I would like to it to have been a slightly easier process, but I'm just glad that, that none of us gave up and gave in because, of course, that was, there was every temptation to do so. I mean, it was emotionally a crushing time you know yeah. that this was going on right when i was in the middle of it. it was also my mom passed away so i had that to deal with and people that were ripping me off for 26 grand so <laughs> you know it was, it was 
Yeah, I, I would rather not go back to the very unhappy place that I was in when that was happening. But the process of getting out of it and getting myth, legends, and lies made has, has you know, just taken me that much that much higher because of it. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Okay, it's still on. <laughs> I thought you'd cut off. Uh, but yeah, it's like you said, you know, when you get to deal with people, and obviously on, on like when it would be, be, be a nasty thing, but then it leading up to being a very positive thing where you're able to release the album in the end, it's, it, there is no greater feeling, like you said. Yeah, and it's given me a great deal of confidence, you know, f to move ahead with, with future projects as well. So, you know, you start to suddenly realize, I always said that I was like, um, I don't know if, if, if you are familiar with it, but there's a very old Christmas movie called It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. And at the end of it is when our, our hero, you know, realizes that the effect he's had on everybody else's life and all that. And they're all showing up at the house and they're handing him like dollars to get him out of whatever financial straits he's in. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of me. I'm like the rock and roll version of It's a Wonderful <laughs> Life. <laughs> there's a million dollars here. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? It's a possibility. But obviously, The Shadow of King John is the song that you chose from Myths, Legends and Lies. Tell us about the song and what, what the song means to you and what it's about. Well, I, um, when I first moved to Europe was around 2003 or four, And I moved to Limerick, uh, Limerick, Ireland. I have some friends there and they kind of said, come on over. We'll you know, give you a hand, get you get you set up and all that. And I, I wanted to be in Europe for a number of reasons. Um, you know, it's, it's where most of my career really is. Um, and so I was living in Limerick at a time when was uh, financially was known as the, the Celtic Tiger. And you know, Ireland was having its best economic period in its history. But there were more people going to Ireland to, to find work than leaving, which was the first time ever. Um, so it was a great time to be there. Lots of fun. Um, eventually, uh, when I, I met Melissa and started started coming after her, she was living down here. So I started coming over here. And, you know, it wasn't a tough decision to decide to, to move here. So when I left Limerick, all was well. When I went back within seven or eight years, there had been, you know, the, the, the housing crash had happened. There were a lot of other things that, that went on that were very, very hard for the city. And I walked around all the places that I knew and went to see some friends and there were a lot of people sleeping rough and it was difficult. And the, the chorus for the song just kind of jumped into my head because there was a, a, an enormous castle that kind of overlooks all of the city. And it's been there since roughly around 1200. So, you know, it's seen everything that that city has, has gone through. And that's where the title of it comes from, is everything that's going on in, in Limerick City under the shadow of King John. Well, it, there is, it's a fine tune. It's a great tune. And like like, any, like I always say to all my listeners, more than anything else, if you listen to it for the first time, you're in for a treat. Even if you've listened to it before, you're still in for a treat anyway. So this is The Shadow of King John, of course, by Danny Vaughan from the Myths, Legends and Lies album. Hope you enjoy it.
That was the shadow of King John from Myths, Legends, and Lies. Of course, uh, a very negative, but it turned into a positive in the end. Uh, obviously, like we mentioned before, we won't get into what happened. Obviously, if you want to read about it, it's probably online still. But it's not fun to talk about, and, it, and more than anything else, we were, I think Danny was able to overcome the, that very well. Yeah, and now that friends. now that everybody's heard the song, they're probably all dying for a Guinness at this point. Yeah. And it's no greater feeling than that. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> so anyway, Danny, more than anything else, I also like when apart from admiring your fans from afar and you from up close, I think when people mostly the even the ones that pretty much see you perform around the coast of Spain, obviously you've been before, 
like when people rediscover or even discover music for the first time, obviously you they go back to obviously you, like your solo albums. It's not all Tricetto, and obviously or obviously with Jan Reed or anything else. But more important thing is when they rediscover stuff like Fearless. And obviously, what's it like for you to have fans remind you of those particular tracks? Because maybe either you've forgotten about them, or maybe you were going through something at the time that reminds me reminds you of that song. Um, well, for one thing, I mean, I, there's very few of the tracks that I've forgotten about. I mean, I because I, I play so much, or I was playing so much, and particularly acoustically, I'm always trying to, you know, cycle through the songs of, of my career and all that. So I rarely, you know, I don't like just playing the same set over and over and over again. So, um, you know, a lot of them still remain pretty fresh. There's a few that I don't do, and that's just because... I've never found a way that satisfies me to perform them acoustically. Um, yeah. But um, as far as, yeah, different people will, will pop up. It's always a thrill when somebody says, oh, you know, I've always loved this song. I think, wow, you know, I don't know anybody that's actually really gone for that one. That's really cool. And <laughs> but it's one of those, I mean, the, the fact that the, obviously the track came out in 2001, and more than anything else, it's pretty much like you mentioned. Like it could be songs that people forget about, or even they remind you of the particular songs. And you like, you know, like oh, I remember, I loving this. So it happens to me with Wrestler's Blood, for example. That's probably one of my favorites, mm. without being biased. But it's more than anything else. It's those tracks that you remember, the ones that either they remind you of, or the fact that you think, you know what, that was actually a very good song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's very important, like when people rediscover your, your, your you know, obviously your castle of the music, it's there is no greater feeling, I guess. Yeah, for sure, and it, yeah, it does happen. You know, people write into the website, and you know, there's always interesting situations where you know a friend says, "Here, you got to listen to this," or you know, it's the reason some a couple started dating and now they're married, and you know, that's always great stuff. Absolutely. So tell us about Fearless. Obviously, the, the title speaks for itself, but tell us more about the song. Um, I wrote Fearless. I started writing Fearless after one day I was I was looking around online and I happened upon one of the speeches of Dr. Martin Luther King. And he has he always was and always will be one of my sort of heroic figures in, in world history. And. I was just listening to his voice and I was listening to what he was saying and it really, really affected me very deeply again because I've listened to his speeches many times. And, and I, I was a little sort of upset because I thought, you know, is there ever going to come along another another person like this, you know, that can speak like this, that can move us like this? And so, you know, the I, there's some paraphrasing of uh, of a couple of lines in there of of Dr. King's. And so it just it's that's how I saw him, you know, and and being uh, so brave to to be yourself in front of the rest of the world, no matter who that you know, who you turn out to be or who the world turns out to be is, you know, a, an act of great bravery. Uh, and I think that's to me what the song is basically about is is, you know, living your life not really apologizing for it this is who i am so you have yeah. to be fearless to do that and absolutely you have to be just be yourself and more than anything else it's not just about being yourself it's about being true to yourself at the end of the day as well yeah for sure any obviously when you talk about 
uh, in fact, you can use Martin Luther King as one of your biggest heroic figures, but how much of your influences would you say are inputted into your music? How much of my, say that again, how much of my influences? Are inputted into your music. Um, I think there's a lot. Uh, if you if you pulled it all apart, you'd probably find dozens, if not hundreds, of of people. You know, from you know my parents. Um, I'm always drawing stories from around me, and sometimes it's it's you know personal stories of of my own or friends that I know. But sometimes maybe I saw a great documentary on TV, and that inspires an idea. You know. Um, I was kind of looking into the darker, you know, and more unusual corners for, for song ideas. And that's the most important thing. Like when you can mix and match, it's like a, pretty much like a little, uh, having a blender in front of you, mixing, putting all the ingredients in, and then you come up with something like this. And that's the best way, I dare say, to describe it. Yeah. So we're going to play Fearless, and of course, and this our third song. We'll be back with the fourth in a few seconds. So this is Fearless, of course, Danny Vaughan. I hope you enjoy it.
And we're back, of course, Fearless by Danny Vaughan, a great tune, obviously, from his album Vaughan. Fearless is just a tune, more than anything else. So, Danny, more than anything else, um, when you pretty much, like you mentioned, the fact that now for the last seven weeks with this whole pandemic and everything else, it's given you the opportunity to perform from home. Obviously, how much work goes into preparing a set list? Is it very, is it something that you think about performing, before performing? Was it already like touch and go? No, no, I, I, I prepare it. Um, there's, I'll usually, I mean, for the, the concerts are almost some, well, they're two hours long, you know? And so I'll take some ideas from, you know, requests from fans and different ideas. I was, I'm tr- I was trying to do it where I wasn't repeating any songs. I think, uh, the next one I'll do will be my eighth one. And there's going to have to be some repeats at this point. Um, but, it's about three, four days before is when I start putting putting it together, trying to get an idea of how it's going to flow, and and I'll start practicing the songs. I, I'm just never one of those guys that that just feels like I got this. Don't worry, it'll all come back to me when I need it. I always have to practice and rehearse. And, that, and like you mentioned, the fact that um, all your um, influences are mixed. And obviously, one you can perform Neil Young, you can. You can easily perform something like by Chuck Berry. You know, it just works. And if, if people are receptive, that's the best feeling, I guess. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, as, as I've gotten older, my my reach into music has gotten older, you know, and I'm I'm always kind of looking for the sources of things, you know. So obviously, yeah. you know, blues being the basis of rock and roll and the storytelling element, you know, you go back to you know you go to bob dylan but then you go to find out who influenced him and you start listening to you know the woody guthrie's and you know hank williams you know the the list is endless there's there's just there's such a great well of you know we've been very lucky but with the amount of great singers and songwriters that have come our way in the past 40 or 50 years and the the the, the some that even become relatively known that like you mentioned that the ones that Sometimes paved the way, but actually for us and about people we talk about, obviously recently passed away, Little Richard, for example. I don't think people seem to realize, at least the ones that are not into his music, don't seem to realize how much of an impact he had in the rock and roll blues era as well. Yeah, I mean, I think Little Richard pretty much, you know, made rock and roll. You know, it's if you look at some of the early performances, he was wild. He was dangerous. He was wearing makeup. He was, you know. What was going on there? And, yeah. you know, talk about being fearless. I mean, because he must have put up with an awful lot of stuff back in that era to be the, well, just they, to be how he him, was. They would call him the wild man of rock and roll for a reason. So, yeah, and he, he absolutely was, you know. And But in the end, when you got away from all the hype, he backed it up by being, you know, an absolute badass vocalist and piano player. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he was just incredible. I mean, I know all these songs, like I just said, the ones like Tutti Frutti, Good Golly, Miss Molly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, have stood the test of time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, re- I, I listened to Good, Go- Good Golly, Miss Molly for the first time in a long time the other day, and I was amazed at listening to it with my headphones, how great that was, and so ahead of its time as well. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was, uh, yeah, he was building it as he went. You know, there were a few of them that did that, obviously. Chuck Berry did, he did. Um, you know, Ray Charles, they, they they made something new. Yeah. Something new and fresh and obviously, like I said, very out there for the time, but people at the end of the day were happy with it and bought the records and still to this day, like they stream it, they buy it, you know, 
it, like obviously with the fact that movie soundtracks have a lot to do with it. Obviously, Chuck Berry. I remember reading somebody had discovered Chuck Berry for the first time because they had watched Back to the Future. It's stuff like that that makes me yeah. think like mm-hmm. how many other artists or bands out there that have the same feeling every day. Yeah, for sure. And it, that's the way it works, and that's the way like more than anything else technology works and even filmography or even tv shows or anything else it's just amazing how much either you discover hidden gem or you rediscover hidden gems and that's the the way the world goes at the moment yeah well film in particular i mean it's it's all of it is a passing on of culture yeah and people seem to like even when they listen to the the songs for the first time you know they, they overplay it or the, even the fact that they don't overplay it, they want to find out more about the artists or the band you know it, and I think nowadays with having Spotify and iTunes and Apple uh, Apple Music and all these other digital platforms, it just works. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely yeah. helpful to to do that kind of thing and to and to research the music that you like. Yeah, absolutely, no greater feeling. So the first song that you chose is "Deep Water," and obviously that comes also from uh, "Myths, Legends, and Lies," if I'm not mistaken. And the fact that it does come from that album, obviously, we talked about it before, but. What does deep water mean to you? Well, deep water was just a great piece of fun. Um, the the thing about myths, legends, and lies is that it's it's a collection of songs written over a long period of time. Yeah. When I wrote, just for really for myself, you know, there were songs that wouldn't fit in on a Taiketo album or my band solo stuff and all that, and I wasn't really sure that anybody would ever hear them. But I really, and you know, I really liked the songs. And a lot of them were just really left of center and, and strange and involved different instrumentation. Um, I mean, Deep Water is a bit on the blues jazz side of things. And it all came together when I was able to get an actual horn section to play the horns that I'd heard in my head. So it was the first song I'd, I've ever done with horns on it. And um, it's it's just a, a very very dark song about murder. <laughs> pretty much but it's it actually like you mentioned the fact that you had you, you thought about the process in your head obviously to have a, like one of your first songs ever like with a horn section like so you have that image and you have in your mind you know this is what i want it to sound like but once you listen to it like played by the person that probably did the horns on the on the album you, you must have been on cloud nine because it's like that's exactly what i had in my head yeah and it, well it was it was better to be honest i mean th- yeah. that's the that's the beauty of it is i I have a decent musical mind, but I'm also one of the ways in which I think I'm fairly clever is I know how to get the hell out of other people's way. And, you know, when you get some of the musicians that I had on that album, like Nigel Hopkins on keyboards, you know, I can give him a suggested chord pattern, but Nigel knows, you know, Nigel's forgotten more about music theory than I'll ever know. So he'll just come up with these chord patterns. You go, Nigel, what is that? You know, I said, oh, well, I just changed this. And it's just brilliant. You know, you just go, okay, right. <laughs> You're going to just make me sound better. That's fine. And it was mm-hmm. the same with Andrew, the same with Andrew Griffiths, who played all the horns. I gave him a sort of a synthesized version of, of basically what I heard. And I said, now go play this like a horn player, please. You know, and he did beautifully. And the most important thing is like, it's like you give them, the ability to work on on like on it on their own, and then like you said, when they they come back and they amaze you because like you said, you either it either sounds like you wanted it to, but or it's, it sounds best in the end of the day because you're trusting them to come up with something to make it work. 
Yeah, and that's what I love about collaborating. Um, I know that there are some musicians that are, are certainly good enough to take complete control of everything and know exactly what they want to hear and, and just stop there. But that's not me. You know, I, I like to do things in broad strokes and then watch how, you know, each person, the choosing of the band is just as important when you're making an album as, as the songs, because, you know, I, I, in my phone book, I've probably got a list of 10 really good, if not great bass players. But each one is going to approach a song slightly differently. And, you you know, yeah. how that the, the feeling of that song is going to be deeply affected by each personality that comes through of, of each player. So that was that was the beauty of the album for me is that all those personalities really meshed so well. And it did it, it beautifully, like you mentioned before. So we're going to play Deep Water and we'll be back with the final track after this. So. Deep Water from, by Danny Vaughan from the Myths, Legends and Lies album. Night falls on Cole County No one in the neighborhood is coming out of doors Walking dead, I've made my bed And I can't delay anymore It's by the window No telling tonight what it will be She put poison in my coffee So I started drinking tea Try to stay one step ahead Of the fate that waits for me
Maybe I'll be rising when the sun come up the hill. Walk away for one more precious day. But I come back home for the thrill. And we are back, of course, with the final part, unfortunately. But like we always say, there's time for like for, to talk more once eventually. Not, it's not even about having more time. It's for the fact that there's always more to talk about in the future. But this is about getting to know that obviously the tracks involved and obviously the thing, things that Dan is working on are not even working on just this crazy pandemic. Is Like we said before, driving everyone crazy, but at the same time, making us creative at the same time. So we're going to play is all that all there is which is that um, consent enough it's a good choice to, to end <laughs> the interview as well it's a little segue maybe towards the end but it's a great great song choice as well but danny before obviously we played the final track and what people may not know obviously the fact that you collaborate as part of uh, snake oil not snake oil and harmony with the great dan reed so tell us about that working relationship and how it all happened um, that started in, I want to say 2014, um, when Dan Reed Network and Taiketo shared the same stage at the Download Festival in the UK. Um, I'd wanted to meet him for ages and for reasons none of us can figure out. We, we just never cross paths. Um, and so it's just, we connected right away. But some people, you know, you meet them and you can tell they're just kind of keeping you at arm's length. Dan's not like that. He invites you close and, you know, if, if you take up together, then it becomes a, a strong friendship, which is what it is. And I had been wanting to do a tour with another lead vocalist who also played an instrument um, acoustically. And I knew that he played acoustically. I'd spoken to several other great singers that I knew and there were just various reasons why they couldn't do it or weren't interested or whatever and i proposed the idea to dan and he jumped on it immediately and we started planning planning the tour almost right away and it it morphed into something very nice instead of you know at, at kind of at his instigation instead of it being okay now dan's gonna play a dan reed song and i'll sit here and just smile then it'll be my turn to play a taiketo song and he'll sit there and smile we invited each other to get involved in each other's material, you know, and, and to join in and sing and play and not worry about how that changes the song. Some people, you know, get precious about that kind of thing. Um, but we immediately realized we had a chemistry thing going. You can put you can put two people together who can sing, both of them, but they don't necessarily blend well. Um, in our case, we do. And so after three tours of doing that, the uh, the cry from the friends was pretty loud. It was like, when are you going to write songs together? You got loads of material separately. When are you going to give us some stuff together? So we wrote one song before the previous tour, and we played that out at every show and kind of gauged the audience reaction. And it was very, very positive. So um, we kind of looked at each other and went, all right, we got to go ahead and, and do this. So 
Dan took the helm and we recorded, uh, he produced it. We recorded it at a studio near to him in Prague. And really it was, um, the, you know, the new album is called Hurricane Riders. And we were on the verge of starting the UK tour when the yep. pandemic hit. We were supposed to play the first show, excuse me, on uh, March 12th. And of course that didn't happen. Well, obviously the plans are there to actually do go out there and promote the album and launch the album properly. Yeah, well, November, December, we've rescheduled all the dates. So, you know, looking forward to that. Fingers crossed we'll, we'll all be in a, in a much better place and be able to get out and, and mingle again. And it's great that hopefully that if that were to happen, and I'm pretty sure like with open arms or anything else, people will be accepted. And obviously like the same way as the album, you know, there's always bound to be surprises when you perform it live because it's a different vibe altogether. Yeah, that's true. And more than anything else, uh, Danny, like, um, even when you, like we've talked about, obviously, the, the connection that you have to Gibraltar music, but when you have seen, the, the, obviously, the local music sound, there is available on the rock. What's it like for you to see the likes of, like, you talked about Giles before, but you had seen Giles years prior to that. What, what was it like for you to see someone like Giles? And then, obviously, when you got to meet up, meet up with him again, when you saw him in Gibraltar for the... Well, I've I've ran into the. I think the big surprise is, you know, obviously Gibraltar is a very small bit of land, and there's a lot of music talent there, and and really really good. Um, I'm terrible with names of bands, but for instance, uh, Giles did that thing with with Stephen. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember the band that Stephen is from. Reach. So. Oh yeah, Reach. Thank you. And and you know, I've seen Stephen play before, and he's he's a, just a wonderful guitar player. Um, so there's, there's been quite a few, few people I've met and jammed with, you know, Craig McDonald and I played together for quite a while. Um, there's been different bands that I've sat in with here and there, and I've just always been really impressed by, by the level of talent in such a small space. Absolutely. And like you mentioned before, like when you get to see the, the, the available talents and it's not even a bit being amazed, it's just the fact it's like, how the hell, or maybe without being blunt, but how the hell are they not out there? But of course, it's a very difficult world out there at the same time. Yeah, for sure. It's it's always been difficult. Now it's yeah. even harder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely agree. But what was it like to reconnect with Giles more than anything else and to even perform with him a few times on The Rock? And obviously, like you mentioned, the fact that you did perform with Craig a few times as well. Yeah, well, Craig and I actually played together quite a lot for a while. Um Again, just just really, really nice personal connections. Um, both those guys are just incredibly, you know, genuine people. They they wear their hearts on their sleeves. They're both. Um, it's, it's there's a passion that they both have, and you know that they, they would be singing and playing regardless of whether there'd be any money to be made in it or not. And of course, quite often the answer is not, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But and we connect that way. You know, that, um, you know, it's just at the drop of a hat. It's like, oh, you want, want to sing? Yeah, let's do it. You know, and all, all, both those guys are just, uh, you know, become very, very close friends over the years. Yeah. And more than anything else, it, he also did that project with Craig and obviously with Chris Cortez and Ivan Victor, Darren Mann in the Live at Irish Castle as well, which is a great album and a great uh, documentary altogether as well. Yeah, and that was such a great thing for me to do because it was is a rare opportunity in my career not to be the center guy. And, you know, I was basically the utility guy. It's like, oh, you need a yeah. mandolin? I can do a mandolin. You know, oh, you need harmonica? <laughs> I got that, you know. And, and just kind of 
backing him up. And, and I love his music. I mean, that's another thing is, is again, I, I just think he's, you know, a very, very straight, straight to the heart songwriter. And he's got that type of voice, you know, and yeah. sometimes I'll forget. And then, you know, a song will come up on my iPod that's, that's Craig. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's why, you know, because, I mean, regardless of our friendship, I just love the way the man sings, you know, and yeah. So, yeah, the, the Moorish Castle thing was such a, a, an unusual opportunity for me to be more, you know, the, the backing part of the band rather than at the center. And I, I enjoyed that immensely. And it was a fun project. Like, I remember going to the launch of the documentary and because Craig had been teasing it for a few weeks and obviously through social media. And then, like, he sent me an invite, went to the, to the actual thing, watched it again recently, listened to the album at the same time. And I was like, you know what, that's actually maybe one of those hidden gems that you think about over the years that what why wasn't this played more often why wasn't this maybe out there or maybe not even get out getting it out there but the fact that maybe it's not talked about often enough i think yeah well see now you got me going i'm gonna have to go watch it again because it's been a while <laughs> but it, it's a treat and i think for a lot of people it is anyway and so before we get we play the final songs any is there anything aside from those rescheduled dates with obviously Snake Oil and Harmony, obviously Taiketa will be performing in the UK. I think, is it March or and leading into April? Yes, Any other projects right. that you've got on, on, on the table at the moment? Um, no, everything else is, is kind of quiet. You know, it's those are the two things that are just kind of sitting in the background. And of course, we're just hoping that they'll happen. And uh, everything else is, is a maybe. So when, when I'm ready, you know, something comes through and then I'll be blowing my horn about it but right now it's just more of a, a kind of an introspective time that's the, the best thing i think to do about it right now is just enjoy the moments like you mentioned maybe the fact of being at home more often is a good thing and then obviously once obviously the calm or the, the calm of the, of the storm more than anything else it, it's more than anything else it's going to be you're going to get it with like they always say like with with grab the ball by its horns maybe that's the right way to describe it but it's the best way to to talk about it but you'll probably get out there and you're like oh this is what i missed and yeah for sure i mean i definitely um it's it's nice not to to travel i mean over the last two years uh, i've averaged 50 to 60 plane flights a year you know which back and forth to the airport all that stuff it's you know you think about it, oh god i don't know if i want to do that again so it's it's nice not having to do that but i am i am missing traveling and being in different countries and you know seeing different cultures and seeing my friends there and all that so i'm missing that quite a lot at this point but at the end of the day once like you said once you do get around to it and more than anything else once people see you live for the first time in a long time it, it's going to be worth the wait those out. yeah for sure so, Danny, we, before we play the final song, we do want to thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and obviously, get, obviously the five tracks that you chose find out the meaning, or obviously not even find out the meaning, but to talk about them a little bit more. Oh, thank you for having me, and, and I always appreciate the, uh, the amount of support that uh, you've given my career over the years. Well, it's my pleasure, and more than anything else, I'm pretty sure and we're hoping, anyway, that if we are able to go to the UK in November, uh, like God willing that we are, We'll be able to go maybe catch a, a snake, snake hole and harmony gig. We've been some, it's something we've been talking about for, to do to, about doing for a while. But obviously next April or March even is out of the question because I'm getting married next year. So at the moment that's all up in the air. All right. Well, one way or another, we'll find you. 
I'm sure we will. So thank you, Danny, for your time. I'm pretty sure once this pandemic is over, we'll see each other and we'll obviously catch up. Obviously off microphone, you can actually talk about more things. And it's not even talking about music, just talk about life in general. And more than anything else, it's enjoying a good time. And obviously the crazy and an amazing weather that we get around this area. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, David. Thank you very much, Danny. Of course, uh, this is the final song. And like we always say, like at the end of every show, even at the beginning of every show, uh, we want to thank our sponsors, of course, uh, Sekundian Speed, of incredible people. Obviously, we can't thank uh, Guy Povedano and uh, Saraj Award, 95 more than anything else. We just They're just wonderful people, and they support us all the way through. They support the GLMS and they support this podcast. So thank you very much, guys. And like we always say as well, keep on supporting local music, because when you do, you're keeping local music alive. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Take care.
Thanks for listening. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show wherever you access your podcasts by searching for GLMS Podcasts.